Because they were with David, he had had this relationship, and they were his friends. They became like David when you think about it. What about you? Who are you becoming like? Who are you hanging around with? Some bitter, malcontent men or women? Are you becoming more like your Savior? Are you becoming like a guy like Absalom, grumbling and complaining, thinking your way is always the best? Or are you becoming like Jesus, merciful, charitable, a servant denying self? life is influenced by those you spend the most time with, whether you're aware of it or not. Today, Pastor Mark has a challenge for you in this area. Will you take a close and careful look at what those people are sharing in your life? Take some time to think today about what your friends are encouraging. Is it bitterness and resentment, or are they pushing you closer to Jesus? It might be time to make some changes to who's speaking into your life. You too can be this type of influence in your friends' lives. Show them Jesus through what you say and do, and always let him guide your interactions with others. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 15 with today's edition of Come Alive. Before you switch church, jobs, houses, cars, location, my first question is, do you pray? Do you pray about those things and say, Lord, here's the deal. Here's what I would like. What is it that you want? And Lord, I'd really like for you to want what I want, but, and that's okay to have that little argument as long as we get to the point of, no, Lord, it's not what I want, it's what you want. And if that's what you want, that's truly what I want. But a lot of times we're like, no, Lord, I want a new fill in the blank, and please bless this move or this choice, amen. Or do you wait on the Lord and wait until he shows you a verse and a confirmation and then some counsel from mature godly men or women? Or do you just jump ship and you're ready to go? Do you bail? Do you think God has you where you are to minister to others? Think about it. Whether it's in the workplace or maybe you're not in the workplace. Maybe you're just a mom. Maybe you're doing something. Maybe your house is parked between some crazy people. Man, I can sit and watch crazy people all day. I'd love for my house to be parked between some crazy people. Wherever he has you, are you there to minister? I See, I think people or Christians have a problem with commitment. I really do. Because, you know, here's the deal. Moses parts the sea. And this is where I get my information. It goes all the way back. Moses parts the Red Sea, and they all go across, and they're all cool. And there's a song about Moses. You know, we'll always follow Moses. And then not 40 days later, what do they do? They build a calf. They build a golden calf. And so there's no commitment there. For the people in Hebron, they were David's until someone else came along. They were David's people. And then here comes this guy with these promises. With this, hey, this is what I'm going to do for you. Do we blame this on God? Well, you know, I've been praying for a better, and it seems like this is coming along. And then all of a sudden it comes along and the bottom falls out. How could God let this happen? No, 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 don't blame God. 
that it was probably you or me because we had a lack of commitment. See, in this case, it's a king. And oh, here he is. He listens. He kisses. He kisses babies. He even kissed me. Oh, I love this guy. I mean, he's real. He touches me. He wants to hang out with me. He's everything I've ever wanted in a fill-in-your-blank. A king, a car, a boss, a job, a husband, a wife. Man, I can't tell you how many of my friends that get married and they're just like, oh, dude, I wish I'd never married that chick. I'm like, really? About eight months ago, she was the girl. Yeah, but you don't know what she turned into. I mean, one day I woke up, her face was green, and it's like, well, dude, she's probably trying to make herself beautiful for you. What have you done? Could she say the same? See, are you that person? Well, what type of witness do you leave when you just bail out? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Here I am at my new job. And then all of a sudden we bail out. Or, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm going to be with you, bro. Oh, not today. I can't make it today. I got other stuff going on. Oh, yeah, not today. I'm bailing. The grass is greener. I found a new best friend. I found a new relationship. I found a new... See, are you able to commit? Have you ever thought that God may want you just to grow through whatever it is, those things that bother you? Maybe the job's not perfect, or the marriage isn't perfect, or that relationship isn't perfect, or that person's so needy, or whatever it could be. Have you ever thought that maybe God has brought that to you so you could grow? Yet we turn tail and run. We turn tail and run when life gets tough. And so... Is the size of the small church or the low pay or the whatever it is, fill in your own blank. It could even be a large church. I've had people say, oh, yeah, that's such a big church, Calvary Albuquerque. It's so big, and I really don't feel connected in there. I can't believe they won't split this thing up. And they say things like that, not knowing that. There's been people that have gone out all over Albuquerque, and people just keep coming back to that one. It's not that Skip goes out or uh, Bob or Chuck Smith or whoever has those large mega churches goes out and says, hey, knocking on doors, you need to come to my church because I got the deal. I got the dealio. It's like, no, 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 no. They just, they go there for whatever reason. How serious are you about spiritual things should be the question. How serious am I about spiritual things? Not about how great something is. I mean, it could be great depending on how serious you are. If it's truly God, it'll be great. If it's not, it won't be. And then you can move on if the Lord calls you out. See, we always say, Lord, I want to be like you. Right? How many of you prayed that? Anybody ever prayed, Lord, I want to be more like you? Be honest. Except I don't want to be homeless. And I don't want to preach to people. Because it could be offensive. And I don't want to be hungry. And I don't want to go there because it could be dangerous. But Lord, I want to be more like you in the sense that I know I could go to the pond and get money out of a fish. Or I want to be more like you because I can take a loaf of bread and that fish that I got some money out of his mouth and turn it into a bunch more food. Yeah, Lord, that's what I want. But I only want to be like you in those things, not the homelessness, not the pain and suffering of the cross. Not the ministering to the sick and the like, man, I don't want to touch a leper. I mean, what if I sneeze and my nose falls off? Then what good will I be? See, we are those people who always say, I want to be like you, Lord. But there's a little loophole we want written in. 
Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying, am I quitting whatever I'm quitting because I can't extend forgiveness or use this opportunity for a contention and to quit because I don't like the way things are going? Am I using an opportunity to bail out because I just don't like the way things are going? Or could it be that God's using this to grow you? And again, I'll say in the worst situation of your life could be in God's best will for you. It may be God's will. In the worst situation of your life, it may be in God's perfect will. You can walk away if you're being led by the Lord, and that's cool. I'm not saying you can't. You can walk away if the Lord truly leads you to walk away. Or are you walking away being led by the flesh? Is the Holy Spirit leading or is the flesh leading? That's what it always boils down to in everything that we do. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, and let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. And when the king went out with all his household after him, and but the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. And the king went out with all the people after him, and then all his servants passed before him, and all the Cherethites, all the Peleothites, and all the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gath, had passed before the king. So here, now the forces gather against David outside the city. David is like, hey, you know, he wants to spare the city from destruction. Because if these forces will come to do battle, there are going to probably be a lot of innocent people and innocent lives lost. And so he loads up the truck and he moves. He leaves 10 concubines back at his house to keep watch over it. Hey, in case I come back, I'd like to come back to a clean house. So these 600 men are some of the men that we read about back in 1 Samuel chapter 22. Remember those guys when David was on the run from Saul? These were the guys who were in debt, who were distressed, who were kind of, well, they were just the, the low lives of the time. And so this group is a perfect picture of us. We find ourselves in debt, distressed, and discontent, and yet we gather around one that's greater than David. His name is Jesus Christ. And the same thing as these men gather around their great leader, their great king, we who are in debt, discontent, distressed, upset, can gather around our Lord, our king. These guys were transformed into amazing fighting force, David's men. They could stand in battle. If you read about David's mighty men, you find out there's one guy that chases a lion into a pit on a snowy day. He's one of my favorite guys ever. Because I look at that verse and I'm like, why would you do that? Chase a lion into a pit on a snowy day. There are a couple of things there that would cause me to sit on the couch. The snow and a lion. And then to jump into a pit with a lion... Anybody ever see how big a lion is? I mean, you can go to the zoo and look through the glass. That's kind of cool. But when you get to really see a real lion, I've seen one in Africa. It was pretty big. It was not quite as tall as the car we were in, but it was pretty large. And they kind of gathered under this thing so it could rest. And people were like, what do we do if they start running? If they start coming after us? What if they're hungry? My theory has always been this. If a lion's chasing you, I don't have to exert a lot of force. If there were 10 of us and a lion began chasing 10 of us, I don't have to be the first guy in line. I just have to be number nine. I have to be faster than one person. So why would this guy go after this lion in a snowy pit? These are his men. These are the guys that are going with David. 
tough dudes that can do some battle. And so because they were with David, he had had this relationship, and they were his friends. They became like David when you think about it. What about you? Who are you becoming like? Who are you hanging around with? Some bitter, malcontent men or women? Are you becoming more like your Savior? Are you becoming like a guy like Absalom, grumbling and complaining, thinking your way is always the best? Or are you becoming like Jesus, merciful, charitable, a servant, denying self? Are you getting bitter or better? We've got to ask ourselves those questions. Are the people that are around you getting better or bitter? See, David's men were a tight group of loyal followers. Question is, are you? Are you a loyal follower? The trials you and I face should cause us to move closer to our commander-in-chief and produce in us abilities and capabilities for service to deal with the situation that's taken place. See, in Bible times, precious metals were purified by a melting, and they would melt gold or silver into a liquid state. And the purification process was complete when the smelter could look into that liquid and see his face, see his reflection. If he couldn't, the heat would stay on. And maybe in some of our lives, the heat is on. And you feel like, well, it's been on for a long time. Well, maybe that purification process, maybe the Lord's not done purifying you yet. And so can Jesus see himself in you? If you answer no to that, then understand that the heat might stay on a little while. See, he knows how precious you are and that there needs to be this purification process in your life. When his reflection is seen in you, he knows that you're pure. He knows that you're genuine. See, these guys, David's mighty men, David fought with them. And they gathered around him. And they fought like him and they believed like him. And you may have wondered, why am I going through this trial? And the reason you're going through that trial, that tough time, it's because you're precious and worth a lot to God. And sometimes we don't understand that. We don't see it. Look at verse 19. It says, Then the king said to Atai, the Gittite, Why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king. For you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today since I know not where? Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. So what a guy, a tie. That's even a cool name. He'd only been hanging out with David for a little over a day. And he's walking up and David's like, bro, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And so this guy's standing there and says, hey, you know, I'm going. Wherever you go, I'm going. Are we loyal followers like this guy? Do you say, Lord, wherever you lead and whatever it means, I'm with you? Is it that you are the one that thinks the Lord needs to bless whatever it is you do and follow you? See, Atai says, hey, I don't care what benefits are offered and what this other guy's giving. I don't care if he kisses my kids and kisses me. David, I'm with you. I'm loyal to you, David. Look at verse 22. And so David said to Atai, and stop right there real quick. And one of the other things this could be is Atai and where he's from, he's, it's a Philistine. And so David might be really testing his loyalty. Remember when David, the Philistines said, hey, David, you know what? It's cool, bro. We don't want you fighting in battle with us. Go on. 
Because, you know what, if you have somebody that's really not loyal to you, then they could turn on you in battle. And this was a real common thing that would happen. So this could have been a, a test that David does for this guy. Look at verse 22. So David said to Atai, go and cross over. And then Atai the Gittite and all his men and all the little ones who were with him crossed over. And all the country wept in a loud voice, and all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron, and all the people crossed towards the way of the wilderness. So here they exit the eastern gate of Jerusalem, a little small valley on the downside of Jerusalem. And so in these days, the brook Kidron flowed through this valley. Kidron means dark. And the reason it was called dark is because much of the waste and sewage was poured into this brook from the city. On Passover, this brook would be red because of uh, over a thousand lambs being slaughtered for the Passover celebration and sacrifice. So that brook would be in red color. In John 18, in the New Testament, if you're taking notes, we see the son of David, Jesus Christ, that he'd also left Jerusalem. He had crossed over this same brook. He too had the masses against him and also experienced a rebellion and betrayal by one he cared about called Judas. And so here we see David as being kind of a, a type of Christ. Look at verse 24. It says, there was Zadok, also, and all the Levites with him, bearing the Ark of the Covenant of God. And they set down the Ark of God, and Abiathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over from the city. And then the king said to Zadok, carry the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says thus, I have no delight in you, here I am, let him do to me as it seems good to him. See, David knows that the ark doesn't belong to him. That ark does not, it's not David's possession. And he also knows, out of sheer respect, he lays it all at the Lord's disposal. Hey, if God wants me to live, he'll let me live. If he doesn't, bam, let him do with me what he needs to do. So David also recognizes that the ark also belongs to the people of the nation. And that that ark doesn't guarantee God's blessing. And we remember from a study way back when they carried the ark out into battle and it got captured. It didn't guarantee God's blessing. The ark is a symbol of the Lord's rule over the nation and over the people, no matter who the king might be. And David understands this. David resigns in his heart to the fact that this is a time for sacrifice and service. For sacrifice and service. If God wants me to survive, he's going to bring me back to the city. If he wants to destroy me, so be it. So how many, when you think about it, how many can say that and mean it? How many of us today can say, hey, Lord, if you want me to survive, then you'll let me survive. But if you want me to die, then so be it. And a lot of people find that hard. A lot of people are like, oh, no, I don't want the Lord to destroy me. But how many can say that and mean it? See, this is the heart and the attitude that's lacking in a lot of Christians today. So many are trying to manipulate God with you know, through the exercise of faith. Well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to just show, and it's not. See, I pray that we, you, are the man or woman of God who would rather remain loyal to what God has called you to, whether it's in ministry or some job. And if it's your job, then maybe that's your ministry for the moment, and you'll learn something through that. You'll learn perseverance and endurance. And that when he calls you out, that you go out. And then there are those who are called out that don't leave. It's like your kids at Chuck E. Cheese. Time to go. And all of a sudden, they're not afraid of that 10-foot rat. They're hanging on to his leg. I don't want to leave. 
It's like, time to go, something better. And they insist on clinging to that thing in a costume, or that person in a costume, not the thing. You know, they were afraid of him when they walked in, and all of a sudden now he's their best friend, good old Chucky. And so what has he called you into? It could be a job or a relationship or a friendship. And the other thing is, what is he calling you out of? Is he truly calling you out of? Well, I feel it. Is it just a feeling? Is it just a feeling, or is it, is it truly you being called out? And so there's no other way around it. Not one of those who cannot commit to a job can say, well, you know, it's the Lord. Well, no, 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 it's not the Lord if you can't commit. If you just have a problem because you don't like something or some situation that took place or there's some bad thing, it's something you don't personally like, doesn't really matter. Well, doesn't God want me to be happy? Well, let me ask you this. You think Jesus personally liked being nailed to a cross? I don't think so. Or being scourged? Or having a crown of thorns? See, sometimes service and sacrifice kind of go hand in hand. And so, has God called you to something? Or is he calling you out of something? And can you commit? Can you commit to a job? Can you commit to a ministry, a church, a relationship? Can you commit to being a mom or a dad? Can you commit to being a good employee? What can we commit to? But on the other hand, we shouldn't get so comfortable in the situation that we're in that when we're called out, that we don't move for any reason because we can't see any other way except. Don't be blinded by that. Trust in the Lord. Don't be like Absalom or one of his men and listen to the bitterness. And don't be like him and be bitter and trying to get people on your side. Uh, be the one that says, hey, I want to I help make you better. Find out why that person's bitter. I guarantee you, if they find Jesus, and you can say, well, they found Jesus, but they're a bitter Christian, well, then you know what? Let me just say this. Then just begin praying for them. And let that person know you're going to pray for them. And then show them the scriptures where it talks about how they're supposed to respond and act. That suffering is part of the Christian life. They might have been duped by some other church that says, hey, life is always going to be roses and sunshine. And we know that roses don't grow without sunshine, but they also don't grow without water and storms. But storms are a very big, important part of every Christian's walk. That those trials will happen. And that if we turn and we look to the Lord and look to him and say, Lord, I need your strength, he will get us through. Every time we create a new edition of Come Alive, we have the privilege of sharing the word of God with you, our valued listener. Have you been touched by the Spirit as you've listened today? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a quick email at info at comealiveradio.com. We'd love to meet you, too. If you're in the Katy area, come join us for our Sunday morning service at Calvary Chapel Katy. We meet at 10 a.m. to dig into the Word with Pastor Mark, worship our loving and powerful Creator, and get to know each other better. You can find out more about us at comealiveradio.com. Before we go, Tracy wants to tell you how you can partner with us here at Come Alive. Thanks, Chris. Each edition of Come Alive that you hear has been professionally produced to minimize any distractions from the message of hope only God can bring. 
While we offer this program for free to our listeners, there are costs involved on our end. Would you pray about joining us as financial supporters of Come Alive? Any and all amounts are useful and so appreciated. Find out more at comealiveradio.com or you can text a donation to Calvary Katie at 77977. That's 77977. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Thanks, Tracy. We're so glad you joined us today. Pastor Mark will have more to share from this study in the book of 2 Samuel. So join us again for Come Alive. From slaves of 